welcome to Damon Patch Podcast, episode 359. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Today I got with me Tim Spence. And Ryan Johnson. How you do- and and Ryan Johnson. And Tim Spence. And Matt Lawrence. It is I. No Adriano. No oh. Uh some of the top stories we got this week. IDOS Montreal and IDOS Sherbrooke are shifting to the four-day work week. Now it's sad that Adriano was not here to talk about this. I know he's in favor of uh things like this. Uh, we also have um, Sony is coming out with TVs that have the perfect for PS5 logos on them. We'll tell you what that means later on. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, is officially announced. It's been rumored for a bit. I think we actually covered it uh, a couple weeks ago. It is now official. And Valve warns that tinkering with the Steam Deck could end your life. So very important for you to listen to that one, Tim. Whoa, that's a clickbait if ever I heard it. <laughs> Yeah, and then if also you fiddle it, with these screws, you will die. Yeah, damn. And it looks like Adriano got an email updating him. I'm surprised I didn't get this email. Maybe it's in my junk. Uh, updating him on kind of the changes to the PlayStation Three and Vita digital stores. No. So we'll be talking about that in a bit. Uh, first off, what's new with you guys, Tim? What's new with you? Uh, what's new? Uh, what? What since since I was last on, um, I what, what was I playing before on stream? I finished it now anyway. Um, it was something on Steam, was it? Oh, I was I was going through the Baldur's Gate uh, three early access again, and um, just checking out some of the new changes that they made since I last played it, which was maybe not quite a year ago, almost. But um, yeah, they they added a new class, so they added a playable druid class, which is cool because like druids were already kind of in the game; they were just a different uh, faction that you could meet, and uh, so that was a lot of fun because there's like new abilities and stuff, and new ways to solve problems and puzzles and things like that you can come across. Um, and I actually properly finished it, which I'd never done before. There's like a whole other uh, like two areas that I'd never seen before, so I got around to doing that. That was a lot of fun. It's a really good game. I'm looking forward to it. And then um, one of my friends actually bought me. So there's another another D and D tabletop inspired uh, game that just came out like two weeks ago, I think, uh, based on the Pathfinder edition of D and D called Pathfinder: Wrath of the Righteous, um, which plays similarly to Baldur's Gate, um, but it's again like a top down action RPG, and it's kind of more similar to like Pathfinder is more similar to um, path of exile where there's just like an absolute ton of customizations like anything you could possibly imagine uh and then you can sort of pair those combinations together to come up with a really unique uh character build like whatever you could possibly want to do and again it does follow the rules of pathfinder first edition uh D. so um those who are familiar with D, it uh will be familiar with it and the way that it plays apparently it's really good i haven't booted it up yet um but people are going kind of nuts for this game. It's I would say it's kind of niche um, because for D&D as well, especially right now, I think Pathfinder is kind of niche compared to 5th edition, which is the rule set that most people, I think, are playing right now. But um, yeah, it, it, uh, it looks promising. It's getting like 9s and 9.5s across the board. So oh, wow. I think it's, uh, it's going to be really good. Um, but yeah, and then aside from that, I... Um, on stream, I started up playing uh, Judgment again, the Yakuza series spin-off game where you play as a detective, uh, but it takes place in the same universe, and there are some 
similar characters. And um, it's it's really cool. It's a game that I started playing, but I never stuck with it. And I don't really know why. I think it might have been one of those things I didn't quite get fully invested into. And then it um, something else came along, maybe. I don't know. I think it's just I was playing it, and then it just made me want to play Yakuza. So then I just started playing, like, Kiwami or something. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, uh, the sequel to it, Lost Judgment, just came out uh last week i think and um i hadn't played this one at all and i want to eventually get around to playing lost judgment so figured now's as good a time as any to boot up judgment and finally play through it so it's a lot of fun too there's like some cool little uh quirks to this game that aren't in the yakuza games that are um fun to mess around with the combat's you know fun as always and there's little um kind of like detective mini games that you can do and there's side uh they're not called side stories in this game they're called side cases um yeah i think i think it's going to be a shorter game than the other yakuza games because those games tend to be anywhere between like 40 and 60 hours in the main story and then kind of like 100 to 150 if you want to do everything so and that's without doing like the completion list stuff um but uh yeah i think this one's going to be a little bit uh like quicker to get through more streamlined um but it's a lot of fun for sure and then just in my own time i uh for whatever reason i got this like weird desire to like um well boot up breath of the wild again because it's just a fun game to play but i thought this time i want to try to learn like i want to properly learn some speed running tricks in it and there's uh there's a trick called the uh bomb impact launch which is basically uh, which is a, a kind of an older trick. It's been known since like 2019, I think. But basically, you use um, both of the Sheikah Slate bombs to have one explode and knock the other one into Link in the midair. In midair, so it sends him flying at an insane speed. Oh, man. Um, and then when you have that in combination with the glider, you can just like zoom all around the map super quickly. Uh, so you can get some insane verticality really quickly, or you can get some insane like... Uh, just horizontal speed very quickly. And, uh, I mean, it's all just based on your, like, stamina, how long you can stay in the air with a glider. So as long as you've got food that can re- restore your health and stamina, you can pretty much stay in the air indefinitely if you do it correctly. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I've, al- I've almost gotten to the point where I can get the launch consistently. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's taken a lot of practice. Like, I spent a good chunk of time yesterday probably a couple of hours just trying to do it and failing and failing and failing wow. and failing and failing and failing. And then you get one and then failing and failing and failing and failing. But uh, now it's, now it's pretty good. And it's fun because like, it's just a different option for traversal in this game. That's already got, you know, really, really good exploration mechanics. Right. So um, it's really kind of opening up some more options for like, how do I want to get across this gap? Oh, I could just bomb launch myself over it. That kind of thing. So it's uh but it's a lot of fun. It's cool. That's pretty much it for me though. Is that a sorry, I think you may have described it, but is that a it isn't a you said it's based on your skill, but is it a glitch? Like is this something that was just discovered? Like how does this why is this like a thing now? It's not just a new thing now. It's I, I would say it's more of like a mechanical exploit than it is a glitch <laughs> cuz it's not like you're doing anything that isn't um like the the game mechanics aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know? Right, right. Basically, all you're doing is you're creating uh, 
a, a method for something to smack into Link really fast right. and send him flying, which is a mechanic that other like puzzles in the game also rely on. Like there are there are like swings and there are hammers and there are um, you know like launch pads and stuff like that that just move quickly. And if Link is on them, then it sends him flying, right? Um, and there is like a, a degree of like ragdolling uh, in the game as well. So like um, people will be familiar if they play Breath of the Wild, if like you're fighting an enemy on a cliff or like a hill and they smack you and Link goes like flying or falls down or whatever and you fall off the cliff or you tumble down the hill, like he's just ragdolling the whole time. Um, <laughs> so it's it's not dissimilar to like any other mechanic in the game where if you get smacked by something fast enough, it just sends you flying. It's just that this is a way to more uh, accurately control it, I would say. Um, but yeah, the, the trick itself, the bomb impact launch was discovered, I think, in around 2019. Um, and it's funny because for as long as I've been playing Breath of the Wild, I've also kind of been frequenting the Breath of the Wild subreddit. And for the most part, the subreddit is, is usually just people kind of sharing clips of like either funny stuff happening or like they do some insane like com like combat clearing out a camp super quickly with like really flashily and using, you know all the tools at their disposal and like using the bullet time with like the slowing down time with the bow in midair and like, you know, freezing certain enemies and blowing other enemies up and hitting some enemies with lightning arrows and, you know, just crazy weapon combinations and stuff like that. Um, but then every once in a while, you'll see a speed run trick get posted on there. People just being like, Hey, like I did this and it's cool. And I remember when the people like launching themselves into the air with bombs first kind of started um and like for those that have played breath of the wild and are familiar with the shrines that you can do like the ones that there's like 120 of them in the game those little mini dungeons that are like puzzles um to get to the end of you there's a number of uh there's a number of shrines where the end goal is sometimes like right at the beginning of the shrine and then you have to go off like later and solve this puzzle here which opens this door and you go through that door and hit this switch and then it opens the the like end goal that's back at the entrance alternatively like they're usually just behind kind of semi-high walls so people started to think like how can i like knock link into the air to just like fling him over the wall like take advantage of the ragdoll and do that Mm -hmm. and um so people started doing stuff with like using the the octo balloons on like sticking them to like a claymore at both ends and then standing on the claymore as the balloons rise up into the air. And then from there, like jumping. And there was something, I think there was something you could do where you like jump backwards while doing like a strong attack with the Korok leaf and the wind would like blow Link forward or something like that. I, I can't remember. It's a while ago. Um, but people started doing stuff like that. And it was very like finagly kind of finicky little setups and stuff. And sometimes they worked. And those are usually the clips that got posted. And then people started using, like, figuring out how to use bombs and, like, knocking them into the air on, like, just the right angle where they would just gain enough height to get on top of these, like, walls or over a gap or whatever. And um, and then that was, I think, the part where people were kind of like, oh, wait, shit, like, this is actually really easy to set up. And it's easily replicable if you, like, do the setup right. So, and then from there, I mean, people just found out that you can use, like, drop one bomb. And then really quickly drop another bomb right after and then blow up the first bomb. So it knocks the second one into Link. And then I mean, from there, it just it just changed the speed run like massively, massively, massively changed it. 
It's kind of like how um, Ocarina of Time like had stuff found years and years after its release, almost. Oh yeah, I mean stuff like the, this is gonna be found here. <laughs> yeah, Ocarina of Time came out in 1998, I think, or 99, um, and the most recent route for the any percent category, I think, the the main trick that's used in that the like the trick where you get into sort of like the games code i don't know if it's what exactly what part of it it is but you kind of do a series of inputs that manipulates the game's code such to a point where you just go you teleport straight to the end credits so the run itself is like five minutes long i think five or six minutes long um that was only found like a year ago oh wow before that any percent runs back in like 2000 i was watching a lot of speedruns of ocarina of time back in like 2013 2014 um and at that time the any percent record was about 18 minutes and it was a very like long, in-depth run where like all the all these major tricks had to go right for you to get a time that good. Right. So, yeah. But um, I mean, Zelda speedruns are always a, a a really interesting thing to watch, even just like technically. Um, I mean, every game there's there's a dedicated website for it. I think it's literally just called zeldaspeedruns.com, and um, it's like a breakdown of every trick in every game that you can do and stuff like that. So. It's a huge, huge community. Damn. Pretty oh, good. Man. What are you up to? Uh, nothing that nothing that technically <laughs> uh, <laughs> advanced. Um, doing lots of Ubisoft this week. So, I mean, uh, like outside of Ubisoft, I did a little bit of 76. Very, very close to the end of the season. I'm ranked 93-ish, something like that. Uh, and then after the season, I have to build another camp. Uh, my camp is constantly being bombarded by creatures and crap i'm like in between two spawns and the spawns are close enough for them to shoot me but not close enough for my turrets to see them unless i go over to that area and then the turrets seem to then shoot at them so it's pretty annoying uh, i have to move so that'll take a good few days of building um which and i look looking forward to at least i'll get that in because i haven't been building in a while so there's that side of things um and then I've been playing Odyssey and a little bit of Far Cry 6 because that came out so Odyssey is moving along well I have finished uh, a good portion of the story, or at least quite a few missions, in my opinion. The story itself has moved along quite a bit. Now, I was talking to you about this, Ryan, and I there's something really jarring. Now, Tim, do you care about Odyssey spoilers? No, that's fine. Okay, so there's this really weird thing that happened, and or at least I think it's weird. So uh, the world's kind of... Okay, so you start out in Kefalonia. It's like a very small island and it's like really poor. You like, quote unquote, escape it, right? Oh, I'm leaving Kefalonia, yada, yada, whatever. You arrive on this coast and it you see that the war is happening between Athens or the Athenians and Sparta. And so there's like this war going on. And so you're, you know, you go from this poor area, which is not war torn to this area where you're now helping out uh, and dealing with this war like environment. So you think, okay, like, you know, it's pretty crazy here. But then as the game progresses, you go to Athens. Athens is absolutely massive in this game. Very big city. And it's really nice. But there's this impending doom, and that is that Sparta has, you know, effectively surrounded the city. There's a couple of forts out there, a couple of bases out there, and it's sort of Athens is still functioning the way it always has, or at least it's seemingly, because I haven't been there before, prior. It seems to be functioning normally, but there's always this sort of little comment that comes up in conversation of like, ah, but the Spartans are like right outside and yada, yada. And it affects some of the side quests and this and that. So there's like this impending doom that Sparta is going to come crashing through the gates and smash through the walls and whatever else, you know, sieging the, the city. 
So there's this quest you do there where you go to this party with the leader and you're supposed to leave. So they basically you go talk to all these people. You get a bunch of leads because you're trying to find your mother and you get all these leads and you go and you chase whichever leads you want. So I got these two leads, one on a pirate place, one on this other this other uh, area near this doctor named Hippocrates, I think. Um, Hippocratic I did all. Hmm? That's where the Hippocratic Oath comes from. Oh, I didn't. That, that's pretty good. Uh, so anyway, I didn't know that, actually. So I did all that stuff, all the Hippocrates stuff, all that stuff, did a bunch of the side stuff there. That's all great. All that's done. I then go to the pirate thing. I do all their side quests. I pay the person the 15 grand. Everything's good. Now, in between all of this, though, I've been doing side quests to level up because sometimes I hit a mission. Damn, not high enough level. Look around. Hey, look, I can go back to Athens. There's a quest there. Oh, hey, it's in this. There's another province. I'll go back there. But no matter what I did, the world is more or less the same everywhere. Sure, I can influence the war and now Spartans guard this other city or whatever because I've been in a couple of conquest battles. But for the most part, it's like Athens is still this, you know, glowing jewel. And the rest of the, the game is like. Just kind of more or less the same. You know, it's just sort of like, okay, this area is a little war torn. This area a little isn't whatever running around doing side quests. Here's the really jarring part. So I go and I do all this stuff. I'm free roaming. I'm doing all these side quests. I'm doing the main missions as I can. And then I get this mission that says return to Athens, which is what I was supposed to do. Get all these leads. And then this one woman, which is basically like the queen of Athens or whatever they would call her. Uh, she she said, you know, get you know follow these leads that you found at my party and then come back and we'll help. We'll try to find your mother. So I go back and it cuts to this really jarring cutscene where there's no color in Athens. It's all, you know, all drained of color effectively. And there's people kind of like walking around going like, help me and all this stuff. And there's you know, dirty dogs running around all over the place. These stray dogs running around attacking people and stuff. And I thought, oh, the Spartans moved in. Now, I remember that, Ryan, you mentioned that the plague happens, and I did took ancient history in high school, so I vaguely remember that. But I didn't think this was the plague at first. I thought, oh, this is the this is the Spartans, because this was the big, you know, the, oh, no, Athens will fall. Here's the really jarring part. So, obviously, it's jarring because there's no color when this place was such a nice, vibrant place. But also, this plague has, like, infected everything. It's infected the leader, like Pericles, which is a major character. He's the father of democracy, I think it says in the game. Um... He like he's suddenly infected by this plague. His uh, wife um, or queen or whatever the titles were back then, like she's like fine. But Cleon, which is like Pericles is, I don't know, second or whatever, has now taken over the city and he's like running it with an iron fist. And he seems to be sort of like manipulating, saying like, oh, you can blame Pericles for this, this and this. Pericles is a sick man, yada, yada, yelling from the streets. And what's really bizarre and jarring about this is that in this section, I can't just go anywhere. I'm like walking down a road and it's like this area is like prohibited. And this huge like animus like wall appears in front of me. And this game has always been fully open. I know what's happening. I know what's going to transition like, hey, you know, I've taken the I've done this. I've done this conquest mission, this conquest battle for the Spartans. Now I know that the cities in this region are going to be guarded by Spartans and not Athenians now. That type of thing. This is very jarring because this is the first time, even from the beginning, that you're limited really hard, like literally by a hard wall um, uh, several times. And I realize it's for storytelling, but it's really bizarre because the end of this segment is you get on the ship or you're about to get on the ship and Cleon goes, hey, you know, uh, you guys can't leave because you're with Pericles' wife. You guys can't leave. And so um, all this stuff happens in, in whatever, yada, yada. And you end up like killing these guards or pushing them away. And then you get on the ship and now you're going to go find your mother. So the story progresses. But what's really bizarre is, is like, I don't know what happened to the Spartan threat. That gameplay 
area, I guess you could call it, was nothing like we had ever seen before. And I didn't like initiate a mission. All I did was fast travel to Athens. So I've been fast traveling back and forth to Athens all this time. And it's like the Spartans have just been sitting there. But now all of a sudden it's overtaken by the plague, which of which we saw no one, or at least not that I saw, no one suffering from the plague in Athens up until this point. It's a very jarring cut and it's really bizarre. It's almost like it, it went from the whole game's open, but not this little bit. <laughs> we need to push the forward, like the story forward here, which would have been more acceptable if I started a mission and then it, you know, physically warned me, like it broke the fourth wall and said, hey, you're about to like advance the story and we're going to change Athens a bit. Like that type of stuff would have been more acceptable. I don't know. What did you think about that, Ryan? It's, it's weird, right? I don't remember it being as jarring as you mentioned. I remember I remember traveling away, doing some missions and then coming back to Athens and there was a plague. So something did progress time, to my recollection. Now I don't remember that time like clearly. It was a while ago, right? But I don't. I don't remember being shocked by it. I think it's supposed to be you going out on this big adventure because you're going to different provinces. You're meeting mm -hmm. the pirates. You're meeting this and that, and then you're going to hit walls in terms of your character level. So you're going to have to go do side stuff, and that's the jarring part for me. Is that I've been back to Athens three, four times. Yeah. It, you know, recently even, and Athens is fine. And so when this all happened, when the first cutscene happened, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, hell yeah, the Spartans are coming in here. Like, you know, the like the big, bad, like, doom, doom-filled fate that we, that all the Athenians were scared of is happening. Nope, something else. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, well, hang on a second. Like, not only is this jarring gameplay-wise, but why the hell, I don't know, very bizarre, uh, very bizarre uh, mission, but... I don't know. I don't know how they could have handled that better. Probably that pop-up thing I said, but I don't know. Very bizarre. But I think uh, there, are, there might be signs of it beforehand. I'm not sure if you missed it or not, or if I'm not, if I'm not remembering this correctly. But there might have been like some few sick people or people talking about a plague or something prior to that happening. Well, in Kefafolonia, when you when you go to that one town for uh, Phoebe's friend, Phoebe's friend has like blood sickness or something. She says. And you're supposed to go to this town and you're supposed to save your friend. And when you get there, everything's all burnt. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. Everything's all burnt. And this priest and his guards are walking around. And that family with Phoebe's friend is there. And she says, like, the family's basically begging you, like, please save us. And the priest, you know, tells you, like, do not interfere. No one got better from this plague. We did everything we could, praying this and that. Of course, for the era, that was, like, the main source of treatment or one of them. And... Like we like no one, not a single person got better. It's not like we could like hide these people, quarantine them and some will get better. No one got better. Everyone kept getting sicker. Everybody died. And so you get to choose. Do you save this family and like sort of quote unquote help Phoebe or do you not let these people out of the town? And my first thought was, fuck that. If we if we're praying to the gods for medicine, I ain't letting these people out of here. <laughs> like the very first thing that came to my head, fuck that. And I just walked away. Um so, like, that was my only, like, big piece that I remember of the plague. And you might be right. Maybe if I was wandering around Athens, I would have noticed it. But I was, like, talking to Socrates. I was helping him out. I was helping Akiblades out. I was doing all kinds of crap in Athens off and on. And very, I don't know, very jarring and very weird. Whether I played it in a weird order, who knows? That's, yeah, I don't know. That it, Just a weird, weird piece of the gameplay. But uh, other than other than Odyssey, I... Uh, recently purchased because it just came out Far Cry 6 and uh, only done a couple of shorter sessions and it's uh, it's pretty damn fun. I know some people I haven't really watched other people's reviews. I like to watch reviews actually 
after a game comes out if I know I'm just going to buy it. And I had pre-ordered Far Cry 6 for a while. So uh, I I enjoy it. I know that the, the, you know, the general sentiment is like, oh, it's too samey. And some people are like kind of annoyed by that. But I didn't buy Far Cry for some deep, in-depth story thing or some big reboot like Odyssey uh, or, or slash Origins. I didn't buy I didn't buy Far Cry for that. I bought Far Cry for the absolute craziness uh, of which a bunch of that happened last night. I was riding a horse down this road and an NPC was t- told me to like follow her. So we're like escaping this, you know, escaping this crime scene. So we, we're riding down this horse trail. For some reason, she hits the brakes full on. I can't stop fast enough. I smash into her. It kills her horse, but my horse is fine. And so now she has to walk the whole way and she's like hauling ass. And then there's more horses along the way because I presume that, I presume Ubisoft knew this might happen. And so she just she just steals some random person's horse and we just ride off into the sunset. I, it was the weirdest shit. <laughs> like um, typical Far Cry crap. I rolled over our car on flat ground. Don't know what happened. And I have an, ama- an amazing video of uh, Aaron and I played for maybe 40 minutes last night. We were going to get some crocodile meat for El Chorizo so he could become my, my amigo. And uh, and I could like use him in the field and stuff. And we go to this this hunting area and I'm like looking around in the water and I don't see any crocodiles. And so I see all these little like these little red things coming out of the sort of like the the brush, like a like a low grass. And they're coming onto the beach. I'm like, what are these things? And I like crouch down and I'm looking at them. And Aaron's like, oh, they're a bunch of crabs like walking around. He's like that, you know, because he's worked on the game. So he knows what he's like. Oh, they're just a bunch of crabs that can come out, you know, at random times, whatever. I'm like, oh, cool. And I turn around and Aaron goes, oh, Matt, you stepped on one. So we're both looking at this like stepped on crab. That's just like a blotch of blood on the ground. I turn around and two crocodiles full speed bolting out of the water. Grab Aaron, death spin him. The one comes after me. I fucking gun him down with an assault rifle. Typical Far Cry. Like, that's what I'm there for. I don't give a crap about pushing the game forward. Like, it's fine uh, the way it is, in my opinion. So (laughs) that's Far Cry. Um, Big map. I like the vehicles. I like the old cars. That's cool. I like the little base that you can build, even though it's, you know, it's not like super in-depth, but I like, I, I like uh, or earning stuff like that. And uh, I like the fact that you can like unlock, I haven't fully figured this out yet, but you can like unlock car parts. You can like, oh, like if you um, take, I found like a random truck and I liked it. I drive it to the vehicle depot and now I can call that truck in. But when I did that, it said I unlocked like the interior. So I unlocked that style of steering wheel and something else. And Aaron said you can also like scan it with your phone. He was showing me that he did that for a motorcycle. So I think there's going to be some pretty cool vehicle customization coming up. But that's been uh, that's been my week. And that's uh, that's Far Cry. Uh, for myself, I've been doing obviously the Far Cry. I haven't played as much as Matt, um, but so far I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, I have seen a couple or a few negative sentiments, both in reviews and just online. And uh, I don't really understand it. It's like, if you're a fan of the Far Cry games, you'll be a fan of this one, you know? So if if you were already getting tired by the time you got to Far Cry 5, you know, unfortunately, Far Cry 6 wasn't going to change that for you. But I've always enjoyed the Far Cry games and uh, will continue to do so. Um, Man, I haven't even played Far Cry 4 yet. Oh, geez. Damn. And that one was accused of being samey as well. That one was just like a more perfected three. I like three a lot. I spent a lot of hours playing three and I did boot up four and I played it for like maybe an hour and then I put it down and then I just like never went back to it and I don't know why. But like basically I have not played four. 
Uh, did you, how far did you get? I remember, I distinctly remember the first, I don't know how many missions, but the first while being pretty boring. Yeah, I don't know. Like, literally an hour in. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure how, like, I don't know how sure how long, like, the training-ish area is, but I remember that first part being pretty damn boring myself. I don't know. It might have just been a time where I, like, didn't really feel like playing a, like an open-world adventure shooter like that at the mm-hmm. time. And so I just I wasn't feeling it, so I just never went back to it. And then it had been, like, six months, and it was still installed on my PS4. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to get to this, so I just uninstalled it. <laughs> but I don't know. I love Far Cry. I, I, like, 3 is, is probably one of my f- top ten games of all time. I really like 3 a lot. Um, I'm sure, you know, I, I, people speak very highly of 5 and 4 as well. I think the series is solid, but I, I can see where people are coming from where it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of samey. But I mean, Far Cry kind of has its own formula that clearly works. People really enjoy the games and like mm-hmm. there is truth to the sentiment of like, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The I, I can definitely the one thing I would say is I can definitely see them in the future. And this isn't even a complaint yet, but I could see them. Uh, I don't know whether it's the engine or what it is, but it feels like an older game. Uh, Far Cry. That's true. Far, Far Cry Three was a reboot, more or less, of the series, and to my opinion, Far Cry Five kind of was like it. It wasn't, but it was so refreshing just not being in a tropical setting. I think that I kind of think like I, I think very. I have a very high opinion of Far Cry Five, and I know some people don't like the craziness and the constant like being attacked by animals and crap, but I think that that's hilarious. Um, but. I can definitely see like them eventually upping it. Like, cause I know that AC has undergone like AC, the old, the old ACs, they can even control in a very like mechanical way. These new ones are a little more abstract, a little more modern. I can see them sort of making, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is engine or whatever, but I can see them kind of updating that core a bit, but like the formula works. Like I think the formula is just, it's just that it's just like just cause. If you like Just Cause so much, go play Just Cause. But for someone who, like me, I, I like Just Cause, but not enough to play all the damn games. Like, I'm just like, okay, like, I've played Just Cause. Like, thank you. I've driven a tank and crashed into some crazy crap and, like, rode on top of a jet. Like, I've played Just Cause. Thank you. But some people love that, and we'll keep going back, and that's great. Go ahead. But... It's amazing yeah. how Far Cry is. Like, me and Aaron were having fun just driving down the road. <laughs> like, crazy <laughs> stuff just happens as we're just simply driving from checkpoint to checkpoint, and... And it's just a good time, um, and the the co op aspect really helps enhance that. Did did four have co op like that? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that would probably make it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, other than Far Cry, I am almost done with Deathloop. I completed all the different like kind of check marks you have to get before you can finally complete the game. So I think I just hey. need to kind of put things in order and execute the the plan. And I got back into COD Mobile pretty heavily after we played it like two weeks ago after the podcast. <laughs> I've been going pretty hard on it again. So that's been great. And I just wanted to mention that that's just now I, I famously have horrible internet and it takes me a long time to download games. And the preload feature that's happened over the last two generations has been much appreciated for someone like me. So I can pre-order a game and have it downloaded by the time it launches. Right. But... Now they launched day, massive day one patches. Yep. And I wasn't able to play Far Cry 6 on launch day because it had a like a 30-something gigabyte update on day one. 
And that takes me almost like two nights to download. I can download it through the day, but it slows down my internet. And now I'm I'm on my computer right now looking at freaking Back for Blood, which I preloaded. And it has a 16 gig update now. <laughs> well, at least it's not day one for that. At least you can get that done in at time least for I, a yeah, stream. Yeah, this, this one will be get done tonight. But it's just it's just annoying. Why can't these things be uploaded earlier? So I download the proper final version. You're you're so far behind that you're being hindered no no longer in speed but in functionality. I'm being left behind by the rest of the world. That's what's happening. <laughs> the world's moving on with their faster internet, and I'm over here, slightly better than dial-up. Okay, no, no, it's definitely way better than dial-up. Come on, it is way better than dial-up, but my upload's not. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to DSL. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just ranting about my horrible internet. Um, <laughs> I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Let's hop into the stories for the week. First up is IDOS Montreal and IDOS Sherbrooke are shifting to a four-day work week. This is from IDOS, IDOS Montreal's own site. Uh, and they said, we're delighted to announce a major evolution for our studios. We'll be shifting to a four-day work week for all employees. Obviously, we had a few questions for David Afonso uh, and Fossey, our head of studio, and then uh, they kind of had like a, a bit of an FAQ. Um, so their initiative is another step forward uh, towards the embodiment of the studio's values, building a healthy, creative, healthy, creative and sustainable work environment for our employees. Currently, our various teams are working on the development of transition plans to ensure success and maintain the highest standards in the industry. In the next few weeks, the Montreal and Sherbrooke studios will be officially closed on Fridays without changing the working conditions currently in place nor the salaries of the employees, thus switching from the 40-hour work week uh, to 32 hours. Now, they, uh, they said, does this mean that the workload of teams, workload of the teams will have to be condensed within four days? And they, says, uh, they said, the idea is not to condense the working hours into four days, but rather review our ways of doing things and our quality uh, time invested with the aim of working better. Above all, we want to increase the productivity and well-being of our employees. Concretely, we want to make we want to reduce the time at work, but increase the quality of this time invested, whether it's on a team basis uh, or for the studio as a whole. A promising right balance for everything. We want a real collaborative uh, aspect, so that the teams contribute to the transition. Each one working to define the parameters and criteria for success for their organization of work and deadlines. We hope that this will eliminate unnecessary time and build on efficiency. For example, by reducing internal meetings. From one hour to thirty minutes. Cool. So uh, I think this is the first major studio in the gaming industry, at least, to do something like this. I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on the on the idea of a four day work week. Uh, I had. I feel, uh, yeah, go ahead, Tim. I feel. I was just going to say quickly. I feel like I can't really comment that much because you have a four-day work week <laughs> well, like, I, I have a work week of whatever i want it to be basically at this point mm-hmm. um but from from previous jobs as well like i've always worked an inconsistent schedule like i've, I've never actually had a the monday to friday five. nine to five job so i i i don't know i feel like it definitely was nice working like uh like like shift work where sometimes you would get like a Wednesday off or sometimes you get a Friday off just because that's how it, the schedule lined up. Um, so in, in that sense, I sometimes would only have to work, you know, 
like I'd get a, a day off and then I'd get I'd work two days and I'd get another day off. So it's kind of nice like to kind of uh, for me anyway, I liked how it kind of broke it up uh, differently every time. So I always kind of had like a, a different day off to look forward to kind of thing mm-hmm. um, made it hell for trying to synchronize, you know, anything with like Kayla, for example, though, because she's working nine to five jobs Monday to Friday. So like if we were trying to do something like a lot of the time I would work weekends. So we didn't get to see each other on the days that she actually had off. And then when I get a day off, she's at work and, you know, it was just kind of one of those, one of those things. But, um, the, uh, I, I feel like there is a significant value to the, just like mental health space that a four day work week puts a person in rather than a five day. So I can see where they're coming from, but without, actually like doing it myself i don't know what sort of proper you know anecdotal feedback i could provide you know one of my problems um not with a four-day work week but just with how companies kind of want everyone to do the same thing when everyone works differently now obviously you want everyone working at the same times in most scenarios because you might have projects that are collaborating or whatever but people are different some people can work nonstop. Some people can work five days a week. Some people can work more. Um, and then some people are day or night people. You know, some people work better at night. And it's like these, the entire world is like set up to work just one way. And yet all these different people have different ways that they work best. Um, mm-hmm. So I think yeah. more kind of research needs to be done on how to accommodate people rather than forcing them to work in these like regimented, you know, shifts. Trying to shove people into the square hole. Yeah. Yeah. When maybe they're a round peg kind of thing. Yeah. Kayla's company that she works for actually has experimented with flex hours. So there's a set amount of time. I think it's it's like between 10 and 3 or something like that. That you basically like have to be available. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, wh- whatever time you do the rest of your hours, you can just do it whenever. And they don't. And they're just like, yeah, it's cool. As long as you get your like time every day, then you're good. Or it's basically just it's it's per week. So like... For example, if, if Kayla's, you know, feeling kind of off in the afternoon or whatever, she can just clock out at three and then just make up the hours later in the week kind of thing. Yeah, we kind of so, do that in my work, too. Yeah. Yeah. So for her, I think she she finds it very valuable. I think she really mm-hmm. likes it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just her particular scenario, though, right? Like there might be people who would rather start at seven and just work straight through until three and then you know, they're good. Right. Yeah. Um, like skip like, through their lunch and stuff like that. I remember when my dad uh, got a job at, um, at the government office, he, he would go in earlier so that he could get off sooner. Um, so they wanted everybody to be there at like eight. He'd go in at like quarter after seven kind of thing, just so he could leave earlier. And they were like, he had to like go to them and be like, is it okay if I start earlier so I can finish earlier? And they were like, yeah, whatever, fine. Yeah. Just because of the nature of the work he was doing, it was fine. But um, that sort of thing, you know, like if, if someone's an early riser, let them start working earlier. If somebody works, does their best work after 9 p.m., let them work after 9 p.m., you know, mm-hmm. like it's uh, I feel like it's something that probably companies should endeavor to put more focus on is what makes the most sense to have this person work the most efficiently that suits their lifestyle the best and, and just them as a person. Yeah. But then also um, have it work in a way that it also is like 
feasible for the company, right? And other people that they have to associate with. Yeah. Depends on the company, obviously, but Matt, what do you think? Uh, I recently actually interviewed somebody on my other podcast about this. They had their development places, so they're not not game development. Uh, they did some sort of, I think it was a veterinary uh, software. And short of having some people on deck for firefighting, because it's obviously medical, and so in case something goes wrong on the off days, uh, they seem to like the four days. They had just recently started it, and I did this podcast a while ago. But the reason why I mention it is because it kind of seems to be starting. Um Another way they can kind of handle this too, and this is not this is not related to this other veteran company, just in general, these are my thoughts now, but another way they can kind of handle it too, and this is sort of happening as well, is a lot of companies are now fully remote. Um, like we'll have like people that we work with every day and I haven't even, I've never seen them. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I'll work with them for like over a year and I don't need, I don't know what, like, you know, they could be an, it could be a very advanced AI for all I know. I've never seen them uh, and I rarely hear them. <laughs> so, so with with companies like that a lot of the time you will especially if they were never in an office together it's basically a task based if you will workforce where it'll be like hey tim you go and make the banner ryan you go and write the copy that goes underneath the banner and in three days matt you schedule it and so then you guys do your thing make sure that i have a day to make sure all the scheduling works and then i put it together and then schedule it in that last day and then it goes out so there's a lot of that type of stuff. And I kind of get like it, it's one of those things as well with four day work week is um, it felt really weird having worked five days that it felt really weird not being I mean, not being able to say, like, go to a bank or something when it's like the bank's only open for, say, business hours um, and you're like or the, maybe the manager's only there during business hours. You need to have a meeting with the with the the financial guy or the the, the business person or whatever. And it's like, oh, like I'm always at work Monday to Friday. Like I can't really like I'm going to have to like request time off to like just go and see this person. Yeah. So this gives you, you know, probably the Friday or the Monday or whatever they've decided uh, off. And personally, just in terms of working hours, um, I remember there was this one guy and uh, I said this on my other podcast as well. But I remember there's this guy uh, in a place I worked where I just overheard him. And so I'm just like paraphrasing what he said. But he said like. One of the things that he found was, you know, he was fine with working all the time when he was younger and he wasn't old when he was younger um, because like he would just he would just do it like he was eager, yada, yada, whatever it was. Right. I didn't. Again, I'm just overhearing this. But he said like now and in his case, he had kids and stuff. He wasn't OK with it anymore. He didn't want to be constantly bugged and he was fine with doing the overtime when it was needed or like having stuff scheduled. So it's like, Hey, this is a heavy week here. It's scheduled. So you could work around it, but he couldn't just be available all the time. And I always kind of thought to myself, like being in it and being in tech, I was always like, you got to always be available in the latest year. Like, especially with COVID, like I've completely changed that. Like I, and I've aged to about what that guy was. Um, the guy that I overheard, I don't even know who the guy's name is, but, uh, what the guy's name is, but, I, I kind of like age to his age and I kind of get that feeling now where I'm like, hey, guys, like I'm down to do overtime if it's scheduled, like if it's a heavy week because we're working on something and we got to do a bunch of like like a couple of 16 hour days, even like as long as it's scheduled, I'm down. But if you drop something in my lap on like a Friday or you drop something in my lap and you're like freaking the hell out on a Saturday and I don't see your message and you're not paying me for coverage, of course, I just don't like I'm not going to answer. Um and I've, I've gotten a separate phone to help me separate even that. Like, I have a separate work phone now. 
Um, and so like it like eight like you guys were talking about like the square peg round hole or whatever yada yada. Um, I think age has a lot to do with it too, or at least in my case it has because I'm like you know as a kid you'd be like oh who cares about like what what well, I guess Thanksgiving dinner let's just use that because it's close for us. Uh, you know who cares about Thanksgiving dinner? But now I kind of want to be at the Thanksgiving dinner and not have like work on the back of my mind all the time. Um, that type of stuff. So. It's, you know, I think the 40 work week is a good thing as long as they can get the work done, yada, yada. And it's not like causing another team to pick up the slack and just have like hell rain down on them. As long as it's managed properly, I think it can be done well. And uh, it's an interesting change that could use a lot of study. Like I think one of you said. It's kind of going off what you said, Matt. I think they asked uh, Bill Gates if he had any advice for like him when he back when he was like 20. And he his advice was don't work so much. He's, he said you realize he, does, he didn't have to actually work as hard as he did in his 20s. Um, but who knows if he would have made, you know, Microsoft what it is if he wasn't that ambitious or or whatever. It's hard to say, right? That's the thing, right? Like any little change like that, it probably would have drastically yeah. changed the outcome of. Yeah. Would he have stolen company? Windows from from Apple? Who knows? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here who we go. Knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, Wait, here, here, here's the here, here's the one question, though, is it's like. It, it or it, one question for each individual worker, I guess, would be: It's like if you really like what you're doing, like if if you all you want to do is write about video games and you're yeah. a video game editor, uh, you know, I'm sure you want your downtime. Of course, no one wants to just do one thing all the time, or very few people do. But if you're a person that wants to work all damn day, all damn night, and you want to just keep going, I mean, like you like kind of sounds like you found the, like a great job. If you're a person that just does video game editing let's say or like you know same job just to keep it all in the same field if you want to do the same job you're a video game editor and you write about the news but you only do that job to fund your snowboarding snor- snowboarding habit to the point where you're going on snowboarding trips and this and that some people are video game editors and that's who they are and some people are video game editors professionally but really they're like a snowboarder you know what i mean like they're snowboarder on the off time mm-hmm that's like just just working a job to pay the bills kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like working yeah. to live, live to work. That like versus that. So it just that's another question that like all this should be studied because it, mm-hmm. it's interesting, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. Um, this is this is a story that kind of interested me, and I've I've been wondering this for a long time, and I'm pretty sure I said it on the podcast probably years ago, but um, Sony wants to sell you the quote perfect TV. Um, this is from Slash Gear. Now, obviously, Sony makes TVs and they make the PlayStation consoles, um, and they're hoping to coax more cash out of gamers who manage to find a PlayStation Five in stock with new TVs that include PS Five friendly features like auto HDR tone mapping and a badge to more easily recognize them. The quote "perfect for PlayStation Five" uh, quote and uh, quote branding will launch first on five models of Sony TVs, with the idea being that gamers can confident can be confident they'll make each. They'll each make the most out of the console's video and audio capabilities. Now, they list the TVs here. It's a bunch of T- Bravia XR TV models with a bunch of crazy numbers. Why TVs are named like this is beyond me. I don't know. This makes the manual so much more confusing. <laughs> right. Why don't they have actual names? You already have Bravia. Just have this like Bravia something else. Why do you need Bravia all these 10, models? Bravia 20, Bravia 30. Even that would be yeah. better than the way they name these things. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. Um, they they tend to it seems they tend to stick on like a eighty anywhere between eighty to like or eight hundred. It depends on what region as well because it's different mm-hmm. between the UK and like US. Yeah, um, and Japan as well, I imagine. But like anywhere between like eighty and like ninety five. Um, 
or 800 and 900. But, okay, so the reason that I fucking, like, sigh about this story is because they also were advertising TVs before the PS5 came out, the Bravia series, uh, mm-hmm. um, X... H series TVs. So <laughs> XH800 in the UK, X800H in the US. Um, they were advertising them as PS5 ready. And I saw a couple of YouTubers that I follow got these Bravia TVs um, because they're influencers and they were like plugging the TVs basically. And they seemed relatively good. And I was kind of in the market for a TV because I, the last time I bought a TV was like 10 years ago. So I was like, okay, maybe this can be the TV that I get because I I would like to have, you know, HDR and 4K capability and, and 60 FPS and et cetera, et cetera, right? And uh, the, you know, I, I did my due diligence of like looking into it and stuff. The reviews seemed good and stuff like that. So I bought this, this TV and I... I haven't owned that many TVs in my life, but of the ones that I've interacted with on a semi-regular basis that like my family's ever bought and stuff like that, I have to say it's the worst TV I've ever used. (laughs) Like when it works, it's fine, but it frequently disconnects from the Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, mine does that. And you you go to the Wi-Fi settings and the little like switch, like the master switch of turning Wi-Fi on and off. It's like off. So like, okay, you flip it on, it goes on, it's a, it does a little like loading, and then it turns itself back off. And the only <sighs> like sw- like resolution that we found for that is just to like do a hard reset. So just hold the power button down, reset, let it boot itself back up. Okay, now it connects to the internet properly. We probably have to do that once a week. And sometimes it, it happens like twice in one day. It's and it's just it doesn't anything we've looked up online to resolve it, it doesn't, it's not resolved. So either it's just a defect, a defect or um, it's just an issue with like the TV itself and looking it up online. I've seen other people complaining about the same thing. And then other people usually just reply like, yep, that's Sony TVs for you. Their boards are crap. And Sony doesn't care. It's been this way for like 10 years. So I was like, sweet. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I guess I would just say like a word of caution to people who might be looking into getting a TV for like specifically for gaming, like I did just don't fall for the hype. Don't look for, or I guess don't fall for the marketing. Look for actual like reviews of people using similar products, um, specifically for your use case and see like what the pros and cons like they're gonna have like and so that's the reason that i bought the sony tv because i was like oh obviously sony hardware is gonna work best with sony hardware why wouldn't i get a sony tv if i have a sony ps5 right similar like build quality you'd think right or maybe they'll have some like unique features because you're within their own architecture so it's got like you know some syncing features between the tv and the ps5 or just just stuff like that right i don't know something special hdr um that other tvs don't have access to because they lock it behind their own hardware something like that maybe i don't know but um like i said like when it when it's working well it's a nice tv but it has a lot of just software issues um that seem to be unfixable 
Well, so I, I actually watched a video on that recently. Uh, they were talking about why why TV software is so garbage, and basically the conclusion of the video was margins are very very thin on TVs. Yeah, and so there's not a lot of drive for the company to actually invest some some decent software into it. And they're assuming most of them are the people who care about having a better software experience will just buy an Apple TV or a Google uh, Chromecast or mm-hmm. or a Roku or whatever, right? Just um, using the TV as a, as a display and nothing else. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you mind if I ask how much that TV was? Uh, I'm tr- I was trying to look it up on the website. I think it was... Uh, I should know this. I got a sound. I got like a sound system with it as well, so I can't remember the TV. Oh, that's another fucking thing about this TV too. So it's supposed to have so like the sound bar again, Sony sound bar and and uh, subwoofer connects to the TV via uh, optical cable and HDMI, and for YouTube videos specifically, nothing else. Netflix, you know, whatever video games, no problem. The audio never cuts out for YouTube videos. The audio just fucking shuts itself off. For, for no reason. What the it fuck? It turns itself off. And then it sometimes turns itself back on in like 10 seconds. But that happens like every single day. Every day. If we're trying to watch something on YouTube just through the TV app, sound always cuts out. And multiple times too. It just cuts out. So I have to go, okay, rewind the video 10 seconds, go to the audio settings, turn it to TV speakers, turn it back to audio, like external audio system, wait for it to boot up. And okay, now it's working again. So if I if if it's like a weekend or whatever, and I'm kind of watching YouTube for I don't know, just on and off through the day, it probably happens at least twice oh every day, God. every oh time without fail. So that's just right, how, how, how are you hooked up to it? Optical cable and HDMI, which You're is the setup both? that it, yeah it says to do that for the uh, that doesn't make sense um, for the audio sync or whatever, like the the power state sync or whatever. So it's like turn the TV on, really auto weird. turns on the sound system. Turn on the sound bar, also turns on the TV, vice versa, whatever. I, so I don't sense. know. I do experiment I with, with just maybe the optical cable. I was going to say know. that because I have a uh, LG TV and LG sound bar. It's only mm-hmm. hooked up to optical, and it, it turns on and off with, with the optical. Um, I'm, yeah, I I, I'm just wondering if it's having trouble communicating between the two sound sources. But it's only for YouTube. Yeah, that's right. weird. That's yeah. really weird. Yeah. It's just for a single app. I don't know. It doesn't do it for Amazon Video. It doesn't do it for Netflix. Doesn't do it for anything else. Only the YouTube app. But is the picture quality good? Like, do you like the picture quality? <laughs> we haven't even talked about that yet. Like, yeah. it's just well, a black it's screen the whole time. Like, yeah, um, yeah. By the way, yeah, the color is shit and it runs at two FPS. No, um, like it is. It is nice. I have noticed. I don't know if it's just a Netflix thing, but occasionally Netflix shows the HDR will just like flicker. Like depending on the on the shot. Oh, the for the love of God! I've had so much trouble with HDR. So I don't know if it's just the TV or if it's Netflix or what, but for the most part, like again, ninety five percent of the time it's fine. But just I noticed, like, um, what were we watching that it would do that? Um, I saw it a little bit with Squid Game, and there was something else a while ago that we were watching. I can't remember. It was a movie or something, but. Um, yeah, like the the particularly dark scenes, it'll like flick back and forth between like basically like HDR being on or not. Oh, there was a thing with The Witcher. Maybe that's what it was. We were watching The Witcher again, and it like as soon as we hit like play, it like tilts the color, uh, 
the like color balance to like more yellow. So like all the white text would go more yellow. <laughs> what oh, the man. hell's going on? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If again, I don't know if it's just the TV. I don't know if it's like some some video uh, profile thing. I was gonna. Yeah, I don't, one, one thing I recommend is turn off all post processing garbage mm-hmm. that comes on the uh, yeah. th- that comes like by default on on, on modern TVs. Yeah. Turn all yeah. that crap off. You know, oh, Jesus, like um, nothing makes me feel like an old man more than like ranting about <laughs> technology having stuff that's so not user friendly. Like it's supposed to be that the the smarter devices get the more that we like don't have to touch stuff but it's going the opposite it's like oh we got all these features in this tv let's throw them all on right away and then if people don't want those they have to go in manually and turn them off it's like the vast majority of people aren't going to know to do that you should if you want to give people these options or like you want to have these options on these tvs then put them there but then show people how to get to them and then tell them like or when they set up the tv have them choose if they <laughs> want it to be on or not. Mm-hmm. Don't just have all this garbage on by default that people have to just like fiddle with to get it to look the way they want it to. And you know what the problem is? Those 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 things that come auto automatically on are selling features. Though they're big things mm-hmm. they can slap on the box that yeah. sound good to a to a consumer who has no idea about TVs. Right. Yeah, no idea what HDR is, what 4K, yeah. 60 FPS, low latency, low yeah. blah, 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 everything. Yeah. It just sounds. It sounds color. Exp- it sounds exciting, but but it's like you don't. If you don't know what you're doing, it's it's difficult to to deal with it. Yeah, but my, uh, mom, my mom bought a new TV for like she got her TV probably like five or six years before I bought my old TV. So her TV is really freaking old, and she bought a new Samsung uh, for I think less than I paid for my Sony TV. And that TV is awesome. It is. It's so much better. The user experience is so much nicer than. With my Bravia TV, yeah, I don't know. Like Tizen, Tizen's kick ass. I really like Tizen on TVs. I think hers is a Samsung. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's yeah. Samsung's TV OS called Tizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kick ass. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a shame. I I never I've never really regretted a purchase as much as uh, as this TV. And it's a shame too because the TV that I bought was so good at the time. The oh, that L- that, that, oh, the LG with the Wiimote. The LG. Yeah, the <laughs> LG with the motion remote. It's super weird. It was so good for the time absolutely best value for my dollar on i think any piece of like of electronics i've ever bought but and i knew that i was like when i have to get a new tv to replace this one it's going to be trash compared to this and it was (laughs) um so anyway if you if you want the sony bravia (laughs) xr tvs um they will support two ps5 exclusive features auto hdr tone mapping an auto genre mode. So auto HDR, obviously HDR, you kind of have to set it up. You have to set your bright, your brightest level and your and your darkest levels, and that can be a bit of a hassle if you don't really know what you're doing or if you're unsure as to what it should look like. Um, so that's welcome. I I I much very much welcome auto HDR. I've had a horrible experience with HDR. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's not been worth in my mind currently. Um, but I guess if you had to put really the best out of it, but then also has auto genre picture mode, which uh, goes beyond just gaming. Um, so with it, Sony TVs can spot when you are playing a game versus watching movies or TV shows and automatically switch between game mode and standard mode accordingly. You know, so that would be you nice don't if need you like those things, but I don't, don't need I don't that, particularly though. like them. Like you think- have it, you have it plugged in, just set HDMI two or whatever it is to, to a fucking 
game mode because it's a PS5 yeah. and leave me the fuck alone. Like, I think my TV already does that. Like, that's not a new feature. But this does it with your PS5. Oh, yeah, God. but mine does too. <laughs> Man, I'm using like a 12-year-old Samsung and it's to the point again where I remember when I got rid of my old TV, I had to ask you guys what, what my score was in COD because I couldn't read the numbers. This is, a, <laughs> this is like, this is a super clear TV, but now things are, are tailored for 4K. So now I can't fucking read anything that's actually like small on the TV. It's like, what the hell does that say there? You should and buy so a I new TV, man. I, I should buy a new TV, but... I really don't want to because of all this because yeah. I, I already have problems with HTCP because I have a, a surround sound system and I already have trouble with HTCP through that because it's HTCP handshaking with two and 2.1, whatever hell it is. I didn't do all my research, but it's like one of them's like 1.1 and one of them's like two and they're backwards compatible, but sometimes they don't work and someone buzzes sometimes. It's annoying. So like, I just don't like I'll, I'll deal with that because I know how to deal with that because I've been doing it this whole time. I don't really want to be like, oh, TV won't connect. Good. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just really don't want to deal with that. I I've not owned a ton of TVs, but um, we've I, my my parents own an inn, and we've bought a, a lot of like lower end TVs, um, and they're generally pretty bad. Um, the best TVs we've ever owned have been above a thousand dollars, and they're like good to go out of the box. You know, you don't have to fiddle with them very much at all. The only thing I had to do on on mine is uh, turn off. Uh, uh, motion blur because that that's oh, horrible for, for gaming um oh yeah uh, so or, or just in general it's horrible so um that was basically late, the only change i had to make to my lg and I, I love the picture quality on my lg in late 20 in late 2000s I remember lg had that like true motion plus technology <laughs> like yeah. artificially increased the frame rate of stuff and made yeah. everything look like a soap opera yeah oh my god that was so jarring <laughs> i had a friend who had that on their lg tv and anytime I'd go over, I'd be like, oh, my God, what is wrong with your TV? Watch it, watch <laughs> like, Days of Our Lives, buddy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was weird. But, um, you know, as far as, like, features of TVs, like, I would much rather have my eyes bugging out for a little bit because of true motion rather than my Wi-Fi just turning itself <laughs> off and refusing to turn back on that, that sound thing. Like I have my, like I said, I already have sound problems, but more or less it's like, it's at the beginning. I get it to work and then it just keeps working. Mm -hmm. That sound thing where it keeps cutting out for you. I would have fucking lost it years ago. Actually, uh, we had an old, 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 like Gen 2, like really old smart TV that refused to connect to the Wi-Fi and it would constantly require me to reset the router or like restart the router, but then sometimes also restart the TV and all this crap. And I just was like, you know what? We're, we're done here. And we've never used a smart TV in the main room ever since. We've always just had a Roku because <laughs> I'm like, I'm never dealing with this again. Like, I don't want to see or hear from a smart TV ever again. It's going to get harder for you the more the years go on. Well, they have like uh, th there is a new TV upstairs, uh, which is a smart TV. But I literally was just like, nope. Like, it's like, do you want to sign up with all this crap? It's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to use this Roku here and label yeah. this input Roku. And there you go. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think I paid. I think my TV was about 800 before tax. So, I mean, that's uh, I was going to say it's pretty good. Is, but with all this it's stuff, still like a lot of money. I just kind of wish I'd waited a little bit longer, maybe. And emptied up a little bit more cash to get something nicer. And I, I would recommend LG or Samsung for TVs. Um, Sony kind of used to be big in the TV space. They really seem to have fallen behind, at least from what I've kind of seen and, and experienced with my own Sony TVs. 
All right, uh, next story here. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, officially announced from IGN. After many, many leaks, Rockstar Games has officially announced the Grand Theft Auto, uh, the trilogy, the definitive edition, comprising Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. The updated games will be released for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC via the Rockstar Games Launcher later this year. (laughs) And mobile ports will also follow, so iOS and Android. Cool. All three games will feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles, while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. More details will follow in the coming weeks. Rockstar has not yet confirmed if the games will be released as a single package, as individual individual titles, or both. Now, here's the kind of interesting thing, and I'll be interested to hear what you guys think about this. The existing versions of all three games will be removed from digital storefronts next week. I mean, That's Dark Souls weird. did that. Dark Souls Prepared to Die Edition, you can't buy on Steam anymore now that the remaster's out. Although there was a time period of maybe, I think, six or eight months before they removed the Prepared to Die Edition. Mm-hmm. So there was like a grace period if you wanted to get the old one, which like you, at the time you may as well have because it was like a fraction of the price of the remaster. Right. That remaster, like, it was one of the biggest disappointments, I think, in, in all of gaming, honestly. Oh, my God. Like, people, people thought it was actually going to be, like, the definitive version of Dark Souls. Yeah. And, like, really all it was was a 60 FPS and some, like, video setting patches. Like, that's, <laughs> that's literally what it was. Wow. Like, that game is well known for being rushed at the end. So people were thinking, like, you know, highest of high hopes. They were like, oh, maybe they'll, like, actually properly do the ending the way they wanted to do it. Like, it'll be the definitive version, the, the version they wanted to release back in the day, which was, like, not at all what, what happened. Basically, the only thing that, um, the biggest changes for that is that it runs 60 FPS, and you can run it at 4K, and you can, you have proper, like, network connection. Those are the biggest differences for, for that game. And the PvP is still laggy as hell, so. <laughs> I think the, people pro- the, the problem people have with that, though, is that um, uh, video game preservation so if they remove those original versions, it becomes hard for people who want to play those original versions to get it, right? I mean, here's the thing, though. is Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, those are old games. San yeah. Andreas, I think, is 2002. Like, that came out on the original Xbox and PS2. Mm-hmm. Like, these are old games. So if you haven't gotten a copy of your hands on a copy in the last 20 years... I think you've kind of missed the boat, my friend. Like, But there's even newer gamers who maybe want to play some of the older Rockstar games, but want to play the original versions, not uh, the remasters. I mean, sure. It's but a, I it's feel a, like small it's a market, really but, small but, yeah. percentage. Like, it's not the majority. So why would they cater to it, you know? Yeah. But like, there's, if you there's really, just... really want to do that, there are ways to find OG copies of games. There are ways to yeah. do it. Yeah. I've but never I played these games. These games are already on mobile. I swear to God that, Rice, yeah, that San Andreas is on mobile. It is. I have uh, I have three on my phone right now. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're saying that this Definitive Edition is also coming to to mobile. I wonder if that's going to include the like the video uh, or the graphical updates and the the was the gameplay enhancements as well. Probably because games can like are more powerful than than whatever those games launched on, right? So yeah, of course, yeah. Whatever, whatever upgrades they, they make, I think the phones could probably handle it. I'm playing with COD Mobile. It looks like a freaking PS4 game. So, Almost, yeah. Yeah. PS3, PS4. Uh, um, I've not played these games, and so I think I might actually give these a go, If uh, particularly if it has, like, um, I think it talks about modern gameplay enhancements. Mm-hmm. 
if if it if it plays a lot a little nicer that might uh that might be a way for me to actually complete them i oh, guess man. my guess would be the the aiming the aiming in yeah. oh, specifically in oh, 3 so and vice bad. city is really rough and oh. and san andreas is like the beginning of modern aiming with auto aim but it's yeah. it's the beginning it's not it's, like <laughs> i would put it on par with like ocarina of time like it has lock on aiming yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but but Vice City and GTA Three, Three, I'm not so sure. I never actually like played GTA Three. I never like knew anybody that had it. My parents were not big on buying their kids GTA games. Um, Vice City though was like, geez, it's like one of the best stories of any GTA game. It's really really good. San Andreas is just hilarious and fun, but uh, and Vice City is also really good. So I'll be looking forward to playing GTA GTA Three like for the first time really. Um, but yeah, it it had better have like proper dual stick moving and shooting because geez it's it's not it's it's dated it's hella dated nowadays you know what i'm a little bit worried about is i know that on the mobile versions and this is for android so you know every phone's different especially on android but i know that some people have complained about the old like the the ports that are on there right now for gta and vice city and whatever else is on there i think san andreas might even be on there uh, like there's some issues, right? Cause like phones have like moved on since the port. So little UI problems, this and that. Um, so that's probably what they're going to be bringing to that. But I worry that I worry that they're not going to do such a big difference in the aiming and stuff just because that might require like a big engine change. Maybe like that would be a big difference. Like imagine, like think about how rockstar games handle today. We're not going to get it to that level. I don't think. No. Yeah, I think that like like we said, right? There's there's a certain desire to want to sort of retain the some of the charm of the original releases. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be like you know super modern, you know, graphics and super modern uh, controls. Well, maybe super modern control schemes. I think modernizing the control scheme is an easy thing to do. That's because easy like enough, yeah, because like honestly, the the feel of those games, I don't. It's People might think they want it. I don't think they really want it. Like, those games handle not very well. I think the last time I played San Andreas was actually on PC. I have the Steam version of it. And uh, it, I mean, it it runs well, but it's also not, like, optimized, right? For modern computers, it's like a game from 2002. So, like, it it ran well enough and stuff. And, like, having the the, um, higher resolution and stuff to play at was nice. But it's um, it still takes like an adjustment period of being like, okay, geez, yeah, like okay, it's a little slower like this, and this is kind of like clunky, and you know, so having it properly, a uh, really nice control scheme would be good because Vice City. I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched like gameplay of Vice City compared to like GTA Five. GTA Five is very like weighty, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Especially compared to Vice City, Vice City, like you, f- you fly. Like when you like start to sprint, he he just is sprinting just suddenly. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. Bam! He's he's going full speed. The now. cars like rocket off the bridges too. I remember that. Yeah, and they like pick up and they 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 pick up speed so quickly, and cars are like super float. They're this weird like balance of like really super floaty, but then when they hit stuff, it's super heavy, like super punchy hits. So I don't know. Like I'm interested to see if the. Uh, if the physics are different, I feel like they don't want to do that because that's the feel of the game that I think people would want to keep. Because honestly, Vice City is kind of an arcadey game. It's it's very arcade style, I would say, um, compared to like newer stuff. So 
I'd be interested to see if they if they want to make it slower but smoother or keep it fast and punchy because I think fast and punchy makes more sense and it's less work to keep it the same. You know what's interesting about th- this definitive edition as well is that I I have Vice City. I think I bought this <laughs> bought this trilogy on a really really good sale years ago, maybe four or five years ago on the PS4. And there's been times where we'll, you know, like, let's say there's three or four of us going to get together, to play COD or something. I don't know, whatever. And so you're just like waiting for someone because they're like 20 minutes late. I'll just I used to just toss on Vice City because it was something that was so small on my on my hard drive. I could just drive around. And uh, mm-hmm. that was like, quote unquote, modernized, right? Because it wasn't built for a CRT. It filled up the whole damn screen. It actually looked a little bit better, probably up or upscaled or whatever. It was already like modernized. And I wanted to know, like, because they're really re-releasing these how much of a jump like that's that's yeah. the big that's the big question an actual official definitive edition air quotes re-release of these games so what's yeah what's what the, we, what's, what's the, the difference what's the difference to to justify the price tag i'm really worried that it's just uh, them calling it this and then re-releasing it and it's not going to be that big of a difference and it's just going to run on 4k <laughs> man wouldn't that be insane Fucking Rockstar, the company that makes like a billion dollars a year off GTA 5 alone. And they have been for like almost 10 years now. It's like, all right, let's re-release these three games that people <laughs> like love for the past. Let's modernize it for the modern consoles. $80, it's just a port. Yeah, it's just a port. Like, <laughs> but it has 4K and UI upscaling. Like, oh my God. I would, <laughs> I would, I would be so disappointed. It does say across the board upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so that could be across the board. <laughs> like, no, but hopefully that means the motherboard, <laughs> right? Just hopefully that means they're 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 gonna like they're gonna have a hand on everything in the game and do something to make it like better, right? God, I would hope so. This is the company that made Red Dead Redemption Two. Like, yeah, like, come imagine, on, imagine if they look like Red Dead Two. Like that would be insane. It's well, it, it also does say maintaining the classic look. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, it would just be really funny if it was just like super modernized, like yeah. It, it just it, it just is Ray Liotta as Versetti. <laughs> it just is him. This yeah, photorealistic just... Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, our final. Well, I guess second is the last uh, story. Uh, Valve warns that tinkering with the Steam Deck could end your life. God. Today it, you'll die. That's what it will say before it kills you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from GameSpot. A new teardown video from Valve warns against opening up the Steam Deck at all saying that doing so and swapping out parts, quote, may mess things up, like, profoundly. And like quote, profoundly, dude. It should only be done if you, quote, feel that, feel that taking big risks with your property and with your life, which could end if you do this wrong, end quote. Jesus. What's the power of the battery they have in this thing? Like, what is this, sticking a fork in a wall well, socket? Well, no, they're saying because damaging the machine's internal battery could cause it to catch fire. Also damaging the Steam Deck by opening it uh, and messing with its parts. Not surprisingly, not covered under warranty. So they're just saying that if you mess with the battery, you can die. Remember when the batteries in Samsung phones were catching on fire? You mean it, like exploding? Well, the Note were, 7, I think, right? Yeah, you weren't allowed to like bring it on a plane. Yeah. It was considered like a bomb. They yeah. had those little boosts at airports so you could swap right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the I same think thing, basically. I watched this video... Um, I think they were just trying to cover their ass, you know, because there's this whole right to repair movement. And mm-hmm. one of the arguments against right to repair, um, like someone like Apple would make, is that they don't want, A, their customers getting hurt opening these these products, 
and then like B, they could mess something up, right? If you don't know what sure. you're doing. But like um, now, if you go to any phone repair store and people are opening up iPads and iPhones, no problem. Like, it's but that's not their job, risk, right? They yeah, but the right want, to repair they don't movement want isn't necessarily the consumer just for who's the untrained to do it. Yeah, it's not necessarily just for untrained consumers. It's for the right to be able to take it to a shop and have them do the yes. work too. But so Valve made this video where there's where they basically say they said in the video, "This is your product when you buy it." You can do whatever you want with it, yeah. right? But but I think legally they have to cover their ass and say mm-hmm. we actually don't recommend you do this because it is dangerous and you could screw things up. Yeah, it's their lawyers, you know, saying the CYA yeah. clause, of course. Yeah, and and they almost said it too much in that video. They kept going on about how you shouldn't do this, even though we're going to show you exactly how to do it. I was going to say, like, why are they showing us? Like, <laughs> I was going to say, what is this? The freaking like blend tech guy? Yeah. Don't breathe this. Ah. So anyway, Tim, don't don't freaking open that that that. I'm gonna uh, do it. Steam Deck of yours. I'm don't, gonna do it. Don't Day do one. it. I'm gonna get a flathead screwdriver. I'm just gonna start jamming it into weird places with it. Oh Jesus! Also on the Steam Deck. There's been this thing where and, and uh, you do you do this, Ryan. Oh, uh, oh, there you go. There goes Ryan's internet. Bye, Ryan. Nah, he's good. But uh, there's been this thing too where like Ryan has like recently started like repairing like cell phones and shit and the instant like a cell phone breaks i'm just like you gotta get another one like i hate getting the heat gun out and fucking pulling the screen off and it's like oh accidentally tugged a little bit too hard so now that ribbon cable's broken now we gotta get like a 400 screen and i gotta make sure the battery's connected right and there's like plates and crap it's like i like electronics and stuff but with how integrated and how like crazy crazily put together stuff is now and glued i'm just like no we we taking this to a shop or like I'm not looking at it. Sorry. <laughs> like yeah, and I mean like I don't think there's anything wrong with paying a little bit of money to have someone else do it for you that knows what they're doing. Like, yeah, that's money I would rather I would very happily pay. Yeah, like short of a laptop and like even then these days, but like short of a laptop, like an older one, putting a hard drive in or something. Like, I'll do that type of stuff or whatever or a desktop. That's fine. But holy crap, am I not taking apart a Steam Deck? Holy crap. I'm just like, no, man, I'm all right. Like, I'm not that like I like electronics and stuff, but I'm not doing that. Like short of having a schematic and being trained maybe a little bit. I'm not touching that. Sorry. Particularly when that thing is like so compact. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing the um the video that uh, Linus Tech Tips did when he was allowed like hands on for the first time with it. And he quite liked it. But he he also had a bunch of like cameras that um he had like a heat. Um, like a heat measuring camera, and he also had a like, not like an X-ray or something. I can't remember. So he has a bunch of different like lenses, and like they let him use some of them, but not all of them, kind of thing. Because obviously, like, um, like press release stuff, and like they didn't want stuff to get out early ahead of time before they announced it, and things like that. But there were certain things that they were even like some of the the Valve guys were curious about. So one of the things that he did with like the heat one is he wanted to compare how hot it ran compared to a another like third party portable like handheld PC gaming thing. I can't remember what uh what brand that one was, but that one ran super hot. And so then when he he pointed it at the Steam Deck, you could see like where the the um the areas of the most heat were like centralized on the back of it. And with that you could he was like, okay, so there's like a square heat signature here. And that's probably like that's probably the uh, the CPU right there. 
And then this over here, there's like a darker, a bigger dark spot, like rectangle up and kind of like toward towards the top right. You're looking at the back of it. So he's like, so that's probably the hard drive, I guess. And so then some of the other Valve guys were like there with him, like looking over his shoulder as he's looking through this camera lens because they hadn't seen that before. <laughs> and they wanted to see like what it looks like, right? So he was like asking them, like, is that this? Is that that? And some sometimes they were saying like, yeah, that's that. Or, you know, uh, oh, maybe, you know, I can't say if what what that is. But uh, it was it was sort of like a like a first look into like the inner inner workings of the steam deck just based off of like the heat that different parts inside were giving off it's kind of interesting but yeah it's it's like it's jam-packed in there like holy crap another thing they mentioned was the ssd might be something you want to kind of replace because the the base model comes with 64 gigabytes uh steam obviously recommends you use the micro sd card slot to expand your storage um but you you could technically i think replace the uh the, the, the built-in SSD, but they, they listed off a bunch of issues that could occur if you don't buy the correct one. Um, one is that some might uh, cause overheating. Some might be too much of a power drain and, and reduce your, your battery life. And then also, <clears throat> it could cause electromagnetic interference uh, because the SSD is placed so close to the wireless module um, and was specifically tested and chosen to not interfere with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So if you if you install one without knowing what you're kind of doing, um, that can mess with your your wireless capabilities. I mean that's kind of the thing with anything, right? If you're going to start taking stuff into your own hands and start jury rigging parts, like yeah, you kind of have to expect that it's going to ha- affect how other parts work. Yeah, but I think everyone's expecting things to be like built like your 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 own built PCs, but that that everything yeah. has like its own space and like its own section where they put stuff, right? Yeah, there's not a lot you can kind of do with a PC. You kind of have to build it the way it's meant to be built. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as it stands, I'm happy with I think what I'm set up for. I'm getting the one with the like improved screen and the 512 yeah, card drive. So hopefully, it's going to just be like I'm set. I don't have to worry about fiddling with anything. Like it's yeah, going to be than the flagship audio. model only on YouTube. Only on the audio on YouTube when I connect it with an optical <laughs> your, your cable to my going to my out. sound bar. <laughs> Oh my god! If I have fucking Wi-Fi issues with the Steam Deck, I'm gonna break it over my knee. I'll film it, like upload it to YouTube, and get like millions of views, make my money back that way. But damn, damn, dude, I'd be mad. All right, our our, our final story here. Um, looks like Adriano got an email uh, because it says hi, and then his his PlayStation or or yeah, his PlayStation ID. Oh. Um, it says, as you recently enjoyed pl- uh, playing on PlayStation 3 or PlayStation Vita, we want to let you know about some changes to the way you buy digital PS3 and PS Vita content. These changes have been introduced to enhance online payment security for all PS3 and Vita owners. So what has changed? Starting October 27th, 2021, you can no longer use a credit card or debit card or payment method such as PayPal to buy digital content or add funds to your wallet when visiting PlayStation Store on your PS3 or PS Vita uh, system. So now you might be wondering, how do you purchase digital <laughs> content? <laughs> so should you, should you wish to buy content for your PS3 or PS Vita, you must first add sufficient funds to your wallet. You can add funds by redeeming a PlayStation Store gift card via your PS3 or PS Vita, or by using a credit or debit card, PayPal, or other available payment method using a desktop mobile device or a PS4 or a PS5 console. So basically, 
you can no longer add funds on your Vita or PS3. You have to add them on a PS4 or online or PS5. That's it. Otherwise, you both, you'll go buy a gift card and then redeem it on your PS3 or Vita. That's the only way. I got way an email now. about this, too. I got an email about this. Um, why don't they email me? Yeah, why don't they email me? I have a Vita. I haven't uh, used it in like yep. eight years, but. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know why they emailed me. Maybe it's like how recent you've played. I haven't played my Vita it, it in does, a long time. It does say, like, when the email started saying, since you've recently enjoyed playing on PS3. Oh, yeah. Because my PS3 was still doing that thing where, like, I would not rest mode, but it would turn itself on every day and check for updates. Yeah. And it did that, like, as soon as, like, I don't know, two years ago, say. So maybe that's it. But, um, I mean, this kind of sucks. But, I mean, didn't they want to shut down the whole store before yeah, or something like that? Yeah, went nuts. Yeah. And then they, I mean, they this it. is a pretty... Uh, annoying contingency but at least it's like still not that bad and most people have <laughs> some way of getting online other than on their playstation 3 or, or vita so it, like it you know it should be okay this um they're pitching this as a security issue um does that just mean they're not going to update the security on the ps3 and vita anymore or they're not going to update the security on their payment systems on those platforms? Probably that, right? Because, like, like who cares if someone steals a gift card? Like, once it's redeemed, it's redeemed. And, like, at the end of the day, if yeah. Sony has to, like, pay you back on a gift card or however that works, I mean, they're not going to be worrying about a gift card. But they are going to be mm-hmm. worrying about a credit card number. Yeah, I wonder if this is their workaround since they tried shutting down the stores, but people kind of wanted to keep them up. Um, and this is this is their solution after that, right? And and I think this is fair enough. Like, if if it is like I don't I I, I don't see them doing this nefariously. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people probably think it is, but this is probably more of a hassle for them. They're probably going to get a whole bunch of people in the chat because they're not going to read the news. People are going to try to buy you know some PS3 game or some Vita game, and people will be like, "What the fuck? I can't view PayPal or I can't use whatever payment method." And then you're gonna you're gonna have a bunch of people calling or you know emailing or whatever the live chatting. And trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, if it's a security thing and this is how you get around it, I mean, it's a pretty easy workaround. Annoying, I agree, but not end of the world. Uh, I think it's funny, too, because I remember they shut down the Vita store. Or not the Vita store, the PSP store. Do you remember that? Yep. And that had a bit of a hullabaloo. Like, a few people kind of got angry, but they still did it anyway. Um, I'm curious why they decided to keep the PS3 and Vita stores alive if they were planning to shut them down. I'm wondering if it's just there was more um, kind of people complaining about that because we have this mentality now that you keep your games forever kind of going forward right as long as you have a stable internet connection yeah it's pretty it's pretty bizarre to to constantly like churn through stuff like it's it's one thing when you play a game pass game it's like if they take it away from game pass you know it sucks i think there's a discount i'll buy it if i want it i haven't i i have not had to do that myself and that's it it's one thing if they take it away, but it's another thing that really sucks when they would take away your whole console. Because there's going to be people that just play on a PS3 because they just don't. They're just playing story games and there's probably a bunch they still haven't played. Yeah. And it's modern enough. Like, I, like the jump from PS2 to PS3 was pretty big. From PS3 to now is, like, fairly big. But PS3 is still modern enough so that you're not going to get into trouble with, say, like, how the game controls like for the most part it's like modern enough you're not going to be like oh man why is this game on tank controls you know there's very few of those 
in general. Yeah. The PS3 is sort of like the beginning of the modern era. So I can I can see why people get upset, especially when PS3 is probably where a lot of people uh, went digital. Whereas with the PSP, the PSP all digital model called the Go literally failed. Oh, yeah. Um, so like if if that failed, I mean, there wasn't probably a lot of people doing digital stuff like I have all uh, one of the UMDs or. Yeah, that's right. The little, little disc. Yeah, like I've all I universal just have media discs. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, I don't know. I I think this is fair enough. Like, at least they're not being like, you know what? The you have to buy gift cards. You know, at least you're not being yeah. annoying. At least you can just go online. And the PS3 and Vita are two generations old now. You know. The you Vita got, is kind of gotta, an in between, I guess. You gotta sunset them at some point. By the way, Tim, I just realized that you put do it live on our articles page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all we got for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Um, please uh, like and subscribe, I guess. Please, please. Like and subscribe? What is this, YouTube? I don't know. What, I don't know what the kids do on the podcast anymore. All those werewolves out there. Give us a give us a rating on, on the... Like werewolves. and subscribe. Like and? Tim, this is like the most... And? That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. I was going to say, like, you are you re- referring to, like, Underworld... Well, lichens are not from well, not specifically the IP underworld. underworld. No. I, to be fair, I don't fucking know. You know, I, werewolf <laughs> lichens are in the underworld series. Like, I don't fucking know. Come on now. All right, uh, uh, Tim the streams. werewolf disease is called lycanthropy. Lichen. I, what? Oh my god. I don't. I don't know. Lycanthropy. Lichen. Oh, lycanthropy. It's it's in fucking Skyrim. Anyway, uber lichens. That's the one. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, t- but, Tim, you, you stream? Yeah. Twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. <laughs> I played Judgment by Ryu Gakotaku Studios. Same guys that made Yakuza. He'll tell you more about Lycans there. And we'll we'll go <laughs> deep dive into goddamn werewolves. Sure. Why not? It's spooky it's ha- season. Halloween, yeah. Woo! Work on the wards. Halloween. <laughs> and uh, we hey, also... Ryan, you stream. Uh, we, we, we attempt to stream... Uh, <laughs> twitch.tv slash day one fashion media and uh, we click go live and it doesn't work yeah that that actually that was the early days oh man yeah because you were using the like built-in like streaming software or whatever that was garbage it it was fine anyway you you also updated it every week so that we had more issues there mr i still updated (sighs) we'll see you guys next week peace